you could hardly blame him. It had been 14 long years. And finally, he decided that they should just throw in the towel. They decided that it wasn't going to happen, that it wasn't working out like they'd planned. It all started so well, but it had been so long and it, progress had been so slow that it, it just simply seemed like now was not the time. They weren't going to be able to complete what they had been called to do. Back 14 years before, it had seemed so good, it had started so well as they left Babylon and they went on that 900 mile journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. There was 42,000 of them that had started out together. And they had had all of this wealth that was given to them by others in Babylon. And not only that, they had this decree from Cyrus himself telling them that they were to build the temple in Jerusalem. And so as they went on that journey, it probably took them about four months to get across the desert. As they were going, it was with much rejoicing because they had been waiting for this for over 70 years. This was so meaningful to them to finally get back to Jerusalem. And Zerubbabel himself, his name means born or begotten in Babylon or seed of Babylon. Zerubbabel had never been to Jerusalem before and yet here he is leading this group of 42,000 people to go and build the temple again. What an incredible moment. How much faith they had at this time to say, you know those prophecies that Jeremiah gave that said after 70 years and then we'll go and we'll rebuild Jerusalem? Obviously, it's coming true. This is going to happen. But now, fast forward 14 years, and here they are, and they give up building the temple. They say, this just isn't working out. This can't continue. We have too many obstacles in our way. It had gotten too difficult for them. The mountain was too steep for them to climb, and they said, we just can't keep going like this. We're exhausted. What we need to do is to focus on building our own houses, taking care of our own needs. Go with me to Ezra chapter 4. In Ezra, we pick up the story of what led to this moment for Zerubbabel. He should have had so much faith. He should have had so much confidence in what God wanted to do. And yet at this moment, he lost hope. Ezra is a fascinating book. So many details about this journey to rebuild Jerusalem. But in Ezra chapter 4, we find that the Samaritans are again beginning to bother the Israelites. Now, they had come originally when they had started their services again. You know, this was so meaningful to Zerubbabel and these 42,000, the Levites and the priests. They had immediately set up an altar before they even laid the foundation of the temple. They'd set up this altar. They'd renewed the morning and evening sacrifices. I mean, this pointed forward to Jesus. This reminded them that they had a Savior, that they could be forgiven of their sins. And And this meant so much to them. And then as they began to build, they laid the foundation. And then they had their neighbors come and begin to say, hey, we want to help. We also worship the same God as you do. Except for that they had these idols that they set up and said, these represent Yahweh. These, we bow down to these, but really these are representations of God. And they forgot that God said, you should not have any graven images. And so as they came to Zerubbabel and said, we'd like to help out. He told them, no, you can't help us out. 
And we pick up this story in verse 4. It says, Then the people of the land, that's the Samaritans around them, tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. What do you do when you have a clear instruction from God? When you have promises from God, He's told you to do something and you're stepping out in faith and everything seems so incredibly difficult. Everything seems so hard for you. Say, I'm following you, Jesus, and yet things aren't working out. Things aren't happening as fast as I thought. I mean, we thought that the church would be exploding. We thought that people would be flocking to hear about Jesus and things aren't going as fast as I want. I've been praying for my child for years and and it seems like progress is so slow in their lives. It seems like they still just don't get it and they're not following Jesus. I've been praying about my job. I've been wanting for my boss to treat me better and yet year after year I'm suffering through the same thing. Where is God? Why aren't things happening as quickly as I want? This was frustrating to them as they were all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, the king, bothered by this group of people. Well, in verse 6, it tells us that in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, then these people, they write an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah. Now there's a new king, so in the days of Artaxerxes, the next verse tells us, they send this letter out to accuse the Israelites who are building this temple. They say, look, this company is a rebellious people. They're an evil city. If you read this letter, it talks about how you should know that these are rebellious people and that if you let them build this temple and build this city, that in the end, they're going to rebel against you and you're going to lose all of your territory past the river. They're threatening that this is not going to work out for you, Artaxerxes, so you need to stop this. So you read on in the end of chapter 4, it actually goes, and there's a letter that comes back. We don't know how long that takes, but it finally comes back from Artaxerxes. And this letter says, look, you can do whatever you want in order to stop these people from building because we found that you're right. They are a rebellious people. So verse 23, now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum, Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. They stopped. They had been bothered all along, but now this was too big of an obstacle. This was too great of an authority that had been given against what they were supposed to do. God had told them to build this temple, but hey, the king had told them to stop. And so obviously now just wasn't the time. And so they stopped. There were mountains in their way, and their faith failed them. For two whole years, they paused there in mid-building of this temple, and they failed to complete what they had begun. But then, two years later, verse 1 of chapter 5 continues. It says, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. What did they exactly have to say to Zerubbabel at this point? 
What was it? Well, Haggai is a fascinating book, and we don't have a lot of time to look in detail at there, but he basically summarizes saying, you guys are saying that now is not the time to build the temple, and instead you're working on your house and your vineyard and your fields, and everything that you're doing is coming to nothing, and you wonder why it's not working out? It's because you've neglected to do what God has called you to do. But hadn't they faced such a huge difficulty? I mean, the king had come in. God can't expect them to go through that much difficulty, can he? I mean, their funding had been cut off. They were, by force of arms, they were told to stop. How could they continue with such odds against them? But Haggai came and told them, you guys need to keep going. You need to keep building. You need to remember the house of God. We want to look in a little more detail at what Zechariah had to say to them. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 4. And this is the chapter in Zechariah that is specifically addressed to Zerubbabel, the one who is begotten in Babylon. In verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 4, an angel shows up and he'd already had a vision that was about Joshua the high priest in the chapter before. But now he shows up to Zechariah again. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking. And there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand of seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. Now have you ever picked up your Bible and you're going through a really difficult time? And you say, God, I just need some encouragement today. I need to hear some instruction from you. I need to know the direction to go. And you pick up and you read a story like this. Or you read a vision like this. And you're thinking, God, what does this have to do with my life? I'm trying to build a temple here. I'm trying to follow what you're telling me to do. There's an army stopping me from doing that. And you're telling me about a lampstand and some olive trees. That's just great. Thanks a lot. Have you ever picked up your Bible and just wondered, God, what are you trying to say to me right now? I don't understand. Well, that's exactly what Zechariah says at this point. Verse 4, So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Verse 5, Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? Didn't I just ask you? So I said, No, my Lord. He has no clue. What does this have to do with our situation? We're facing these difficulties and you want me to go and to tell the people that there's a lampstand and there's two olive trees and that there's oil running to the lampstand that's keeping it burning. I don't understand how this is going to help us right now. So the angel goes on to explain why this is such a beautiful, such a powerful illustration of what God is wanting to do. In verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Wow! Not by might, not by power. Zerubbabel, you've been trying in your own strength for 14 years, and then you gave up for two years. It's been 16 years since you came from Babylon, and it hasn't worked out. Here's the problem. Here's why it's not working out for you. Maybe that today he's saying the same thing to you about some of the difficulties that you're facing. Some of the things that you've been trying your hardest to solve. Problems that you don't know how to, to handle. Anxieties that are pressing in around you and you don't know how to go on. Today Jesus is saying to you, 
not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You can trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you, and His presence is powerful. But how is this really going to help Zerubbabel? Verse 7 continues, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. This reminds me of the chapter that we've looked at a number of times as we're talking about faith that moves mountain in Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus says explicitly that faith moves mountains. It says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that small little tiny seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except for by prayer and fasting. Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And this mountain that's before you, this huge challenge that you have no idea how you're going to cross this obstacle. You don't know how to get past these enemies. You don't know how to find the funding for what you're doing. This mountain will be made a plain if you simply have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist had said something similar. If you go to Psalm chapter 97, Psalm chapter 97 and verse 3, it's an amazing psalm that I encourage you to consider memorizing. It's a great thing to think about when you're facing trials in your life, when you're facing obstacles in your own life. Psalm chapter 97, sorry, verse 5 says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. That huge Everest that you're facing, that financial trial, that family trial, that marriage problem, that work problem, that relationship issue, those mountains in your life, they melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. What you need in your life is more of the Holy Spirit. What you need is to allow Him to be your complete and entire dependence. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The mountains will melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Back in Zechariah, he says, Zerubbabel, this mountain before you, this great mountain, it's going to become a plain. It's going to become like a highway. You're going to be able to build this temple, no problem. Just trust me. Continues, and it says, And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. In some of our early sermons in this series, we talked about in 1 Peter, where it says that, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him. And we humble ourselves to the point of dependence upon Jesus, to the dependence upon His Holy Spirit. And we treat ourselves like a little child in His arms and allow Him to take all of our cares as we cast them on Him, knowing that He cares for us. That is when He can give us grace. That is when he can pour out his grace into our lives and accomplish the things that concern us. That's what he says to Zerubbabel. This mountain is going to be made like a plane. You're going to bring forth the capstone. You're going to finish it all off. And it's going to be shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, verse 8 continues, The word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands shall finish it. 
Maybe at this point, Zerubbabel had given up hope that he was going to be the one to complete this mission. But God is clear. He says, Zerubbabel is going to be the one that finishes this mission. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the day of small things? There's something fascinating. If you go back in Ezra, there's an answer to that question as to who had despised the day of small things. You see, they may have come back with 42,000 people. They may have come back with this huge decree from the king. But as they restored worship in the temple, in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 12, it tells us this. <clears throat> Actually, we'll start in verse 11. This is when they laid the foundation the first time. So then they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was, was laid. So they've laid the foundation, and there's a bunch of people shouting for joy. They're so excited that the foundation has finally been laid. But then, not everybody's excited. Look at the next verse, verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites, heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, they'd seen Solomon's temple and all of its grandeur, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Can you imagine what this is like? This huge cacophony that you can't tell. There's some people crying so loudly and others are shouting for joy. Some people are devastated by what they see. And that this foundation is nothing like what they had seen in Solomon's temple. And other people are shouting for joy that God is restoring His temple. He's renewing what they recognize to represent Jesus and His salvation in their lives. Some people responded in faith with shouts of joy. And other people wept as they said, this isn't as big as it should be. This isn't all that I wanted to see done. This isn't everything that it's supposed to be. In our lives, rarely does God show up in big marvelous ways but God usually shows up with his still small voice through the power of his Holy Spirit he works in our lives in small ways what did Jesus say he said it's faith like a mustard seed that small tiny seed and maybe you've had it before you have a garden and you take and you take a little seed and you plant it in your garden and you watch and it seems like there's nothing there for a while until finally you begin to see just this little plant begin to come out and you watch it, but it, if you just sit there and watch it, it doesn't look like it's growing. But if you go away for a week and you come back, you're going to find that it grew. You go away for another week, you come back and it's much bigger. A month later and finally maybe you're ready for your harvest. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts in still small ways. And that's what God is trying to tell Zerubbabel. Yeah, it's taking you 14 years. It hasn't gone as fast as you wanted. There's still struggles and trials that you're facing. But don't give up hope. Continue to have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, Zerubbabel, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. It's not based on what you can do. It's not based on what you can accomplish. It's based on what I will accomplish if you are faithful to me. And this was enough for Zach. For Zerubbabel, 
Zerubbabel and his, it says that they went on and they began to build the temple again. At this point, nothing had changed for them. Things still looked the same. Things still looked hopeless. But they had the prophecies that God was going to do something marvelous. In fact, one other thing in the book of Haggai that we need to look at really fast. This is how big the vision was that God wanted to cast for them. Go to Haggai chapter 2. So in Haggai, I believe that God's trying to encourage them, though it looks small to start with, he's trying to let them know that, hey, this may have a small beginning, but it's going to be huge. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in, the, in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it in your eyes as nothing? That's the way, why they were weeping, is they had that foundation there, and they said, this is nothing in comparison to the temple of Solomon. This, how could we possibly be building something like this? It's so small in comparison. Verse 4, Yet now be strong Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Do you see what matters in this thing? What the prophets want them to know is that it's the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives that will accomplish what concerns them. All you need is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. I am with you. Go ahead and work. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my Spirit remains among you. Do not fear. They may be trying to stop you with arms, but keep on going. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry lands. I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than Then the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. At this moment, this seemed impossible to Zerubbabel. How could this temple possibly be bigger and more glorious? How could it possibly have more glory than Solomon's temple? When they dedicated Solomon's temple, the Shekinah glory came into the most holy place. It was a beautiful temple, a glorious temple. How could this possibly compare with that? But God wanted them to know, I'm sending my son, the desire of all nations, the desire of ages, and he will actually come and walk into this temple, and he will teach you from this temple, and he will cleanse this temple, and the glory of this temple will outshine Solomon's because Jesus will be here. Friends, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of Jesus in our lives, all things are possible He can accomplish what concerns you with your family, with your job, with your financial situation. Anything you're facing in your life, He wants to take care of it. And more than that, He wants to take care of the biggest mountain in our lives. Like we talked about in Micah 7 where it says, He will subdue your sins and He will cast them into the depths of the sea. Those things that separate us from Him Those things that we feel like, God, why don't you give me faster victories? Why don't I see immediate victories over the sin in my life? It's not by might. 
Not by power, but by dependence upon the Holy Spirit that He will create in you a clean heart. He will transform you to be a loving person. He will change you. It may not happen as fast as you want, but don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise how He starts it out. It's little by little. It's a process, but He will bring it to a glorious end. The glory of this will be better because he wants for Jesus to come and live in your hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, it's to your advantage in John 16 that I go away. For if I go away, I'm going to send the the comforter to you. And then he goes on to say, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I am coming to you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can dwell in each of our hearts and it's better, more glorious than having Jesus there in person. You see to you today, Jesus is also saying that I'm building a sanctuary and you may feel like the sanctuary of your life, the sanctuary of your body is so inglorious in comparison to that old temple. But he says, I'm going to make of you a greater glory because in you will dwell the Holy Spirit. God will come and dwell in you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord for what Zechariah and Haggai had to say to Zerubbabel that encouraged them to go forward. But when they first told them this, can you imagine being Zerubbabel? And there you are, you've, you've gotten this message, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Go ahead and do this. Don't despise the day of, of small beginnings. And then you go back to work and you still face the same Samaritans and the same governor who's persecuting you. You still face the lack of funds. You still don't know how you're going to provide for building the temple. Sometimes we have to take the Word of God and we step out in faith. We take it because it's a promise of God. It's a command of God. And we say, God, I'm going that direction even though I don't see how I'm going to do this. You've commanded me to do this. You've commanded me to love my enemy. But I sure don't feel like doing it right now. But I'm going to go ahead and do this. You've commanded me to keep the seventh-day Sabbath, but my job is telling me I've got to work on this day, but I'm going to go ahead and step out in faith even though I don't know where the money's going to come from, even though I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I believe. Help my unbelief. Mountains will move in your life. Mountains will melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit if we will only trust in Jesus. In the book, prophets and kings it says throughout the history of God's people this is page 594 great mountains of difficulty apparently insurmountable have loomed up before those who were trying to carry out the purposes of heaven we've all faced them we've all had a vision from God and yet faced those difficulties such obstacles are permitted by the Lord as a test of faith when we are hedged about on every side, this is the time above all others to trust in God and in the power of His Spirit. The exercise of living faith means an increase of spiritual strength and the development of an unfaltering trust. It is thus that the soul becomes a conquering power before the demand of faith, the obstacles placed by Satan across the pathway of the Christian will disappear. For the powers of heaven will come to his aid. Nothing will be impossible unto you. Matthew 17, 20. There's power in faith. There's power in believing in what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Will we step out in faith? Will we go the direction that God's calling us? Even if we don't see how it's going to work out. For months, 
Zerubbabel began to call the people together and to build the temple again. They had to relay the foundation, it tells us in Haggai. They had to redo a lot of it because it had been years and things had been beginning to fall apart. But as they began to do this work, you would think that immediately God would show up and things would get easier, right? That's not how it happens. Go with me to Ezra again and we pick up the story of what takes place as they begin to build again. We read in verse 1 of chapter 5 that the prophet Haggai and Zechariah are encouraging them. So verse 2 says, So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. They, They gave them these visions, these prophecies, and they encouraged them. And they were able to move out in faith because they were clinging to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then verse 3, at the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the region beyond the river, and Shether Bosnai and their companions came to them and spoke thus to them, who has commanded you to build this temple and finish the wall? Who do you think you are? You're building the temple again? You're building the wall again? We told you to stop that already. What are you doing? Stop. Then accordingly, we told them the names of the men who were constructing this, this building. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till a report could go to Darius. They refused to stop. They said, we're going to keep building. Too bad. We're going to build. You better go ask the king. And at this time, it's Darius, uh, a different Darius actually than the one that Daniel knew. But Darius is, is king now in Babylon. Then a written answer was returned concerning this matter. So they send this letter to Darius saying, hey, they're beginning to build again in Jerusalem. Is this okay? Do you want them to be doing this? Things are getting difficult. God may be giving them promises. He may be giving them visions, and that's great. But you may think in your life, you know, it's great that there's all these promises in the Bible, but I'm still facing challenges that don't seem to go away, that I don't know how to handle. It's great that God promises me victory, that that faith is a victory that overcomes the world, but I'm still falling to the same addictions in my life. I'm still facing the same challenges. Where is God in the midst of this? God is at work. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Look at what takes place as we keep on reading. In verse uh, 7 is the rest of the letter on through the end of the chapter. And then in verse six, or chapter 6 in verse 1, it says, Then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. So they go and they search to see if there really was a decree by Cyrus, and if really they should be building the temple like they're claiming that they should be. And in the first year of the verse 3, in the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Good. They at least found that original decree by Cyrus. But let's go on to see what Darius says. How is he going to respond to this? In verse 7, this is what he's saying to the governor, Tatanai, who was trying to stop them from the work in the temple. This is what the Holy Spirit is able to do in situations that you may think, well, this isn't spiritual. This is talking about a government. This is talking about kings and the most powerful nation in the world. How is this possibly going to be solved by the power of the Holy Spirit? Verse 7 says, let the work of this house of God alone. 
Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. That sounds pretty good. That's promising. At least he tells them, leave them alone. Stay away from them. Let them build this temple. But it doesn't end there. Verse 8. Moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews, for the building of the house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from the taxes on the region beyond the river. This is to be given immediately to those men so that they are not hindered. Not only are you to not hinder them anymore, but you are to give them all the taxes that come to you. You're to give them to, this, to them to build their temple, to build the city. Verse 9 continues, And whatever they need, young bulls, rams, lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the request of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given to them day by day without fail. Give them everything that they need. Take care of all of their needs. God is able to supply all of your needs and he can use a pagan king to do it. That they may have offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled from his house and erected and let him be hanged on it and let his house be made a refuse heap because of this. And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to destroy the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, issue a decree. Let it be done diligently. Friends, there's power in the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise in your life when it seems like God is moving slowly. Trust Him. Cling to Him. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to move mountains in your life and they will melt like wax before you. That mountain will become a plain before you. All the silver and the gold are his like Haggai promised. Look, he's able to bring it from Darius, from Babylon, to bring all of the wealth that they could possibly need. God can provide for all of your needs. God will build his church. God will carry forward his mission. We only need to trust him. Back in Zechariah, it finishes up talking about what the Holy Spirit would do. In chapter 4, verse 10, we read, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that He may fully support those whose hearts are loyal to Him. God is looking on this planet and He's longing to pour out His Spirit. He's longing to work in our lives if we will only trust Him. This number seven is representative of the, the omnipresence, the completeness of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is able to work in each life in every situation. And in Isaiah chapter 11, it actually breaks it down to, 11, uh, to seven attributes of the Spirit of God. Isaiah 11 too, it says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That's one. The Spirit of wisdom and counsel. The Spirit of knowledge. The Spirit of wisdom and counsel. The Spirit of might and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. 
think I missed some there. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. Really fast here. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit can give you the counsel that you need. He can give you the wisdom that you need. He can give you the strength that you need. The Spirit of the Lord will supply all your needs, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of the hosts. The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth, seeking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to Him. In Signs of the Times, November 7, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, it says, Of ourselves we can do nothing. Without the Spirit of God, we are utterly helpless. Our strength lies in hiding in Jesus. God can do more in one moment to convict people than we can do in an entire lifetime you may be wondering about that child about that friend about that neighbor wondering how is how how are you ever going to get through to them you will never get through to them only the holy spirit will impact their hearts so we talked about last week about being a friend and bringing your friend to jesus only the holy spirit can finish that work in lives that we're concerned about therefore let us hold fast the arm of omnipotence let us lean upon jesus thus we shall grow strong to do his will the lord is our helper he will not leave us or forsake us my life today it says it is the spirit's power that we need this can do more for us in one minute than we can ever accomplish in our lifetime the holy spirit can do more in a moment than we could possibly do in our entire lives Sermons and Talks, Volume 1, says why the Lord can do more in one hour than we can do in a whole lifetime. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And when he sees that his people are fully consecrated, let me tell you that a great work will be done in a short time and the message of truth is to be carried into the dark places of the earth where it has never been proclaimed. Friends, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. The Lord wants to do a mighty work. He wants to do an amazing work here in Templeton. He wants to do an amazing work in Paso Robles and in Atascadero. And we're seeing amazing things. This past Sunday, as we saw 140 plus people come through the doors of our church to receive services, to be loved. I'll just tell you one, one story really fast about a girl who was here and she was helping. She was doing massage. One of you had invited her here. And she came up to the table and she said, you know, I'm not a religious person. She said, I'm not a Christian. She said, but if I were, I would join the Seventh-day Adventist church. But I'm not religious, so I don't think I will. I thought about it for a moment. I thought, what do I answer to that? I don't know what to say. I mean, that's kind of a common thing. I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't really want go to church. I don't, it doesn't, I don't see the value of it. And then it just hit me. I said, you know what? This is what religion is. This is what we believe that religion is all about. Friends, the Holy Spirit is going to do a mighty thing in this community, in this world. The work is going to be finished quickly. The love of God is going to spread rapidly. The question is, will we rely upon the Holy Spirit? Will we depend upon the Holy Spirit? Will we trust that it is not by might, it's not by power, it's not by what I can accomplish, not by what I can do, but it is by the power of His Holy Spirit. 
if you want more of his Holy Spirit today. We simply need to ask. We simply need to plead for the Holy Spirit to come. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Maybe jot it down on a piece of paper, but Isaiah 64 and verse 1. Isaiah 64 and verse 1, Isaiah is praying and he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that the heavens would just tear apart. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. Pray this prayer. Say, God, in my life I'm facing these mountains. I'm facing these difficulties. I'm facing these these trials. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. That you would shake these mountains that I'm facing. That the mountains might melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Pray this prayer. Pray it every day. Pray it until something happens. Don't stop because you don't see big things happening. Pray and pray on until you see the answer because we serve a God who's powerful, who's looking throughout this whole earth and who wants to strongly support those whose hearts are loyal to him. As I pray this morning, I just want to invite you to raise your hand up to heaven if it's your desire to pray that prayer consistently for God to rend the heavens, to shake the mountains in your life through his presence, to pour out his Holy Spirit on you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're here. Thank you for this story about Zerubbabel. Lord, many of us are facing darkness, we're facing difficulties, we're facing trials that we don't know how to face. And God, we're asking that you would run the heavens, that you would come down, that you would shake these mountains that are in our way. Lord, we believe that mountains will melt like wax before your presence. And so we're asking that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would dwell in us, that you would work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning, I pray. And keep us earnest in prayer. Help us not to despise the day of small beginnings, but to continue to believe, to hope, to move forward, trusting that you will do what we need you to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.